are uh, we are diving into Romans yet again today, um, and and as we do, I, I want to talk to you for a few minutes uh, about people that. Um, well, there's a certain group of people that I think you can relate to. If you're a parent, then I think you can relate to uh, a certain group of people that that are that are probably pretty difficult to deal with, pretty difficult to love. I know we're supposed to love everybody and all those kinds of things, but it's really difficult to love, to get along with people that we think are not treating our kids right, right? I mean, you would agree with that. Somebody, uh, I don't know, probably, uh, you know, all across the, uh, the, the country uh, on any given Saturday morning, uh, we see this on the sports fields, right? Uh, the, you know, my kid's not playing enough or, hey, ref, you missed that call or whatever. And so we get a little incensed because our kid isn't getting there just whatever. But uh, even, even more than that, that's probably a little over the top. But, but, but I mean, if you've ever found out that, uh, that your kid got made fun of at school... Or maybe a teacher was, uh, was, it seemed like they were singling them out or they didn't get a fair shake or, or, or didn't, I mean, I don't know about you. I, I don't quite know what hackles are, but mine have been raised a few times, right? You got, you raised the hackle? Yeah, okay. Just making sure you're with me here. You guys are a little, little quiet today. I don't know. Uh, maybe we should have had a picnic or a, a, a cookout before church. I don't know. But anyway, uh, so, so, so we, uh, we want we want our kids to be treated well, and when they're not treated well, then uh, when they are treated well, that's that's a great thing. I mean, if if you brag on my kid or you do something nice for them, if you treat them well, if you if you recognize great quality, if you invest in them, my goodness, it's 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 great. Then I'm your friend for life, right? Uh, one of the quickest way to get on our good side is to is to not only treat us well, but to treat our family well, to treat our kids well. If you mistreat them, there's usually not a whole lot that can compensate uh, for that. Uh, you know, I mean, we're not okay until you treat my kid good, right? Keep that in the back of your mind. Uh, we are in our, believe it or not, and I, you can probably believe it, in our 18th message on the book of Romans. Today is number 18, uh, and some of you are thinking that's about... 17 too many, but uh, no, hopefully, hopefully we're, we're walking along together and, uh, and we're not quite done. Next week, Pastor Diana is going to kind of wrap everything up for us and, and then we really will be, I promise, we really will be moving on to other things uh, past the book of Romans. Well, we'll always come back to Romans, but uh, there will always, uh, it's just a great, great passage, uh, great, great book. Uh, but, but today I want us to, to look at kind of Paul's beginning of his conclusion. Uh, so, so, uh, uh, he, he comes, it's, it's in, uh, in Romans 13, and, and it, you know, goes through, th- through 16, but, uh, but Paul kind of, kind of starts this conclusion, uh, and, in, and, and looks about, talks about what all this, what all this means. And just a little recap, Paul kicked things off in, in chapter 1 about, about telling us, the, telling these Roman Christians and telling us, many of whom he'd never met before, telling them that he is not ashamed of the gospel of God because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, right? And he said, I'm going to keep proclaiming it because it's the truth. And, and, and that's, that's uh, what I'm all about and that's, that's where I'm going, that's, that's what I've given my life to. Really, the rest of the letter kind of spells that out. Then what does it look like? What, is it, what does it mean? What is this gospel? And how do we give ourselves to it? What is, it, what is this gospel that, that God has provided for us? This good news of the hope of Jesus. 
He talks about the fact that we're sinners, that, 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 that we're sinful people and, and, and we don't have any hope except that God loves us, that God has provided for us, that God has, has, uh, has provided through Jesus uh, our, our, a, a, a way for our salvation, a way for our relationship with God. That Jesus has provided for our redemption, our justification, our sanctification. We talked about all those, all those uh, churchy words, right? Jesus makes all the difference. Because of Jesus, we know that God is for us, that nothing can separate us from his love. So toward the end here, over the last few weeks then, we've, we've recognized that, that Paul gets a whole lot less theological, all the, the things, beliefs and things that we believe in why, and, and he gets a whole lot more practical. Uh, okay, because God has done all this, how should we live? And today we're going to see that living out the gospel, I don't know, might not necessarily be what we think. People, people today, uh, if they're trying to turn their life around, uh, a lot of times we, we, we couch these things in, in terms of, oh man, I, I need to get back to church. Or I, I need to start going to church. We, we couch it in terms of what I'm going to do. Um, a lot of times, subconsciously or not, we equate participating in religious practices to be a good measurement of our spiritual lives. And that can help us a little bit. I'm asking, well, how, how, how am I doing with God? Well, well, how am I going to measure that? Well, let's see. I've been at church twice this month and I gave some money in the offering and, and, uh, and, and, and I try to pray every once in a while. I've kept up with my Bible reading plan and, and, uh, and, and the pastor even wrangled me into cleaning the church every once in a while. So, so I guess I'm doing okay spiritually. We start, start listing out the things that we're doing or the, the events that we're, we're attending and, uh, and we start to, uh, to, to see that, that, uh, we're, we start to think, okay, well, I must be doing okay. Or maybe we start, maybe we take the big ten, right? The ten commandments and we, we look at the list and we say, how am I doing there? How am I, how am I, I've been thou shalt nodding pretty well, right? I haven't coveted this week and I certainly haven't murdered anyone in the last six months, so I must be doing okay, right? But Paul, as he's winding down this letter, says that there's a whole lot more to this than just walking through rules and rituals. We, we feel obligated, I think, a lot of times to follow rules and rituals, and that's not a bad thing. We've, we've developed certain things that, that we do or that we don't do in order to make sure that we're on God's good side. We attend things, we come to a holy building, and we attend this, and we, I must be doing good because I showed up at church. Or we, uh, we, we try to be good as long as it doesn't interfere with our lifestyle too much. But Paul says, yes, rules and rituals have their place, but, but following Jesus is a whole lot more simple and a whole lot more demanding than following rules and rituals. So we're going to look at Romans uh, 13, uh, beginning in verse 8. Uh, and it starts with, uh, this is right after that, that great passage we looked at last week, uh, where, uh, where we, uh, we, we dealt with the whole political and government and all that kind of stuff. And then, but then Paul's just kind of jumping right into, uh, this, his conclusion, kind of wrapping all this up and just kind of, kind of putting an overarching, uh, principles over it. And, uh, 13, uh, verse 8, and we're actually just gonna stop at verse 11, so, or verse 10, for, uh, 8, 9, and 10. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be, are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. 
Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. We're just going to take that chunk right there. Let no debt remain outstanding except the debt of love. Or maybe we could say don't feel obligated to anyone or anything except to love. Sure, laws and rules and rituals are great, but, but there's more to it. It's not just that law. It's, it's what's underneath. It's, it's, it's the motivation behind it. Some of you guys probably have, uh, have gotten a honeydew list at some point in your life. I don't necessarily get a honeydew list, uh, but on occasion, Rebecca lets me know some things that need to be done around the house. And, and if I see that as a list of tasks to accomplish, then they become chores, right? Or it's a, it's a challenge and something I'm obligated, feel obligated to do. I've got to walk, work through, oh, she's got a taskmaster and she's got a... Sure, you've never said anything like that before. I know I haven't. They're snickering, dear. If I don't get a lot done off that list, let's say, then, uh, you know, comes the end of Saturday or something and, and not much has been accomplished, then, then I start to feel bad. Oh, I wish I, I didn't get all that done. And, and, and maybe, uh, you know, I, I get, uh, get, uh, Maybe Rebecca's not happy because things haven't happened. Or maybe I get a lot done, and, and so then I feel good about myself. Uh, honey, look at the list. You gave me the whole list, and it's all done. And I even did some extra things. Aren't I a great husband? It's more than a list, though, right? I mean, if the focus is on the list, then the focus is on me and my performance. How did I do in follow, following the list? If, however, I'm focused on the relationship, if I'm focused on love for my wife and doing all that I can to bring her joy and fulfillment, then some of the tasks that are involved in that are, aren't nearly as important as the relationship it is. Certainly, things will be accomplished, but not begrudgingly. And at the end of the day, I'm not bragging about how great I am or feeling bad about the things that I didn't get done, but I'm simply in a loving relationship. And the focus is on the relationship, the focus is on love, not on the tasks, uh, not on me, not on my performance. The focus is on love. Uh, following Jesus is not about an obligation to a bunch of rules and rituals. Paul talks about the Ten Commandments, right? Uh, he, he mentions some. Don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, and all the rest, he says. But he says that those can't, uh, that those, all those laws, can be summed up at their core, they're summed up in one word, love. Our obligation isn't necessarily to follow that whole list and check that off and think, well, if I just do all that, then everything's good. No, the obligation is to love. And if I'm loving, if I'm loving my neighbor as I love myself, if I'm doing that, then I'm going to fulfill all of this list and more. If I were to ask you why the Ten Commandments are important, why we should follow them, you could probably give me some good Sunday school answers, right? Because they're in the Bible. We need to follow them because they're in the Bible. And okay, that's, that's something. Uh, that's, that's good. Uh, it, they're in the Bible. They must be important. But there's more to it than that. It's not just, oh, well, the Bible says it. I believe it. That settles it. Okay, that's, that's part of it. But let's go a little deeper. Or maybe, maybe we need to follow the Ten Commandments. Why are they important? Well, because if I don't follow them, there's consequences. And certainly, that's true. If we don't follow the rules, there are consequences to those things. There's, there's punishment. There's uh, situa- things that happen because I haven't followed what God wants me to do. Uh, but there's still more than that. I'm not just following the rules because I'm going to avoid consequences. 
Sometimes we think, well, I'm following, following all these rules because God will be pleased. And certainly, that's true. Uh, I'm following all these rules uh, because I will live a better life. Well, certainly, that will be true. But the, the, the commandments in the Bible, the, the things that God wants us to do, are not there just to benefit God, and they're not there just to benefit me, benefit us. The commands of God are primarily there to benefit the people around us. Right? Because if we love our neighbor as we love ourselves, we're fulfilling the law. Paul says that we can sum up all of the commandments with just one, love your neighbor as yourself. And he's not just making that up. You probably are aware that Jesus said that first. In Matthew 22, someone asked Jesus, what is, uh, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Love God, love other people. If you do those two things completely, all the other commands hang on those things. And you will fulfill all of that. As Paul says... The, that it fulfills, love is the fulfillment of the law. So just to flesh that out, a couple of examples. Why should I not steal? So God, uh, God says, uh, Paul mentions, uh, thou shalt not steal. So why should I not steal? Well, because the Bible says, no, remember, there, there's more to it than, than just because the Bible says so. Why should I not steal? Uh, because God says, well, sure, God said so, but there's more to it. Why should I not steal? Because stealing hurts other people. We're not treating them as God would have them to be treated. We're not treating them the way they deserve to be treated. We're, we're not loving them the way we would love ourselves. So, so the reason that we don't steal is because it hurts other people. Paul lists several other examples there. Adultery. Why shouldn't we commit adultery? Well, come on, Pastor P. That's just bad. We wouldn't do that, right? Because it hurts other people. God's commands, whether it's stealing or adultery or, or whatever else is, uh, is listed there, coveting, um, uh, all these things that are listed in, in, in Scripture. We do it because it, it, it treats others the way that God would have them be treated, because they are children of God, because they, and so we're, we're treating others. It's, it's not just because we're following what God wants us to do. We're not just doing it because we get to avoid consequences. We're following these things because it's best for those around us. I, I, I think I think we can follow that. All, all, all the commands can be summed up in, all the commands hang on love, because love is the fulfillment of the law. That's a lot different than following rules because I'm obligated to. Showing up at church because I've got to check that off my list. We see that, we see that kind of thing in our relationships with other people. Um, you know, I talked about the honeydew list. I mean, it, it goes more than that. There's, because you love people, the people in your life, the people in your family, the people that you love, that you care about, uh, there are certain things you do because of that relationship that you wouldn't do if you didn't have that relationship, right? Again, I, I'm, I'm not picking on you, Rebecca. I'm just, you know, just using it as an example. That's all. I love my wife because I love my wife. Sometimes I go to the mall. I would not ever choose to go to the mall 
especially because Amazon.com exists, I don't foresee anything in the future ever that I would need to go to the mall. However, because I love my wife, there are times, not very many, there are times when I might go to the mall. Because I love my wife, I do the dishes. Because I have children, I let them serve me in that capacity as well. Um, Because I love my wife, I don't date other people. Make sense, right? Is that good? If that relationship didn't exist, then I might, right? But because of that, there are certain things that we don't do because of the relationships that we have, because of the love that we have. Because I love Rebecca, I listen. Because I love her, she is the number one little uh, uh, doodad on my phone that I can hit, and in a second, it'll call her. Um, she has her special ringtone, and I know when she's calling because uh, because I love My wife, we date, we pray, we laugh, we cry, and I don't need to have a list to remind me to do those things, and I certainly don't do them because I feel like I have to, or because I feel obligated, I do those things because I love her. Paul says, as he begins to try to wrap up this deep, theological, practical, epic letter that he's written to these, these, uh, these Christians in Rome. He, he says that life with God is really all about love. In view of God's mercy, because of everything God has done for us, because of his great love for us, because he is for us, because he has done all these things for us, what do we need to do? Well, there's a, a lot of things, and, and he listed them there in, in Romans 12. We looked at all that and a lot of, but ultimately, what do we need to do? Well, we need to love. God loved, we need to love. Because of his great love for us, because of, in view of God's mercy, make sure you go to church all the time. He doesn't say it that way, right? Uh, Because uh, of all that God has done for you, here's a list. Make sure you check it off. He says, man, it's so much deeper than that. There's so much more to it than that. Love is the fulfillment of the law. It's so much more than rules and rituals. Several of us did a did a series a couple of years ago. If you were in one of the growth groups, uh, uh, Pastor Andy Stanley, pastor in Atlanta, uh, went through this uh, part of part of what he did um, in that study that we walked through. Uh, he says we should always ask the question, "What does love require of me?" We and he says that we almost always intuitively, if we really think about it, if we really recognize it, we really allow ourselves to reflect on it, we, we almost always intuitively know the answer to that question. What does love require of me? So in this situation or in this conflict, or or uh, as I'm dealing with this person, or as I'm dealing with this group of it, what does love or what would I do if I was gonna love them well? What would love require of me? Don't ask that question if you, if you don't mean to follow through on it because love is difficult. Love is, uh, is, is a choice more than an emotion, right? Uh, we, we, love many times is, is messy. Many times it's difficult. Maybe we don't necessarily feel like it. And it's a whole lot more difficult than following rules and rituals. If, uh, if, because of God's great love for us, we could just show up at church and do some good things. That's a whole lot easier. We can check that off the list and then move on. But if, because God loves us, we are living a life devoted to loving him and loving those around us as well as we can, it's a whole lot harder. I heard a definition of the contrast between uh, infatuation and love. 
So this kind of puts it in the uh, in the romantic love category, but but I think you'll get the get the idea. The difference between infatuation and love it says this: infatuation is when you think your husband is as handsome as Brad Pitt, as amusing as Rodney Dangerfield, as intellectual as Albert Einstein, as holy as Billy Graham, and as athletic as LeBron James. That is infatuation. Love is realizing that your husband is as handsome as Albert Einstein, as intellectual as LeBron James, as holy as Brad Pitt, as athletic as Rodney Dangerfield, and as amusing as Billy Graham, but you love him anyway. Love isn't easy, it's a choice, and there are times when we don't get loved back. There are times when when, when we have to step into it, even when everything else is pushing us to do the other Paul says, love is the fulfillment of the law. In other words, love anyway. Loving our neighbor is so much more than asking, what does the law require of me? That's what we want to ask, right? What does the law, what are the rules that I should follow? That's what the Pharisees were asking. Uh, They were were all tied up in, let's follow all these rules. Let's do all this stuff because, and they, you know, there were rules in the Old Testament and then they came up with rules to make sure they followed the rules, right? What uh, What does the law require of me? That's kind of easy. We can just see it. Uh, what do rituals? Re- well, let's say what what. Well, I need to need to go here, and I need to do this, and I need to do that. I, I don't have to really mean it. Uh, I can just walk through the motions of all that. But as long as I've done all that, then then God is happy. Uh, that focuses entirely on uh, on different things. At the core, our relationship with God is all about our relationship with other people. Again, Andy Stanley says it this way: It's not about you; it's about the you beside you. Our neighbor. So what does love require of us? When God asked that question, it cost him his son. When Jesus asked that question, it cost him his life. And Jesus says, follow me. What does love require of you? Following Jesus is all about loving those around us. Matthew 25, there's a, there's a great passage there where, where Jesus, it's right at the end of, uh, of his ministry and he's talking to his disciples and he's describing uh, the end of time. And he's describing judgment day, basically. And he's, he's talking about sheep and goats. And I might refer this way and this way. In no way am I saying that part of you are sheep and part of you are goats. Uh, I don't really want to be livestock either way. But um, uh, but the, the, in, in Jesus' story here, he's talking about that the sheep were the good ones and, and the goats were the, the bad ones. They would have gotten all that because they were farmers and they, they knew how you separated out the sheep and the goats. So anyway, Jesus is saying the end of time, he's going to separate the people much like a farmer separates separate sheep from goats. But the thing that would separate them uh, was not nationality or, uh, or, or uh, any other physical characteristic or anything. The thing that was going to separate them is what they had done for other people. You remember the story, perhaps, uh, where, where Jesus says, uh, wow, he talks to the, to the one side and, and they were the righteous people, he says, and, and they're the ones that have, uh, have done great things. For other people, he says, "I was I was naked and you clothed me. I was uh, sick and in prison and you came to visit me." And and uh, on and on. I gave you you gave me a place to stay. And, and it says that that the righteous folks said, "Well, I, we don't remember you ever needing anything from us. I don't remember when I I did something for you, Jesus." And Jesus said, and, and the other side was also true. They said, "Well, I, we don't remember ignoring you, Jesus. We we." 
Jesus says, whenever you've done anything for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you have done those things for me. So how does that relate to Paul's discussion here in Romans 13? We, um, we experience Jesus when we do things for others. A lot of times we, and, and it's true, we do experience Jesus when we, uh, when we spend time walking through rituals and rules. I mean, you could tell me about special times you've had in your, in your prayer closet and private devotions and you really felt God's special presence and that's, that's, uh, that's important and unique and, and, and should not be overlooked. You could tell me about services that you've been a part of and, and you've really felt the presence of God maybe at a, at a summer camp or, or, or maybe uh, during a, a Sunday morning service or, or a, maybe a Bible study time and God was just especially close and you felt his presence and, and uh, that's important, that's good. But, but one place that I think maybe we don't think about too much where we truly experience Jesus is when we're serving other people, when we're loving our neighbor as, we're lo- as we love ourselves. They, they said... Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or in prison or sick and in need? When did we see you? And he said, you saw me in the face of that person that you loved. You saw me. You experienced me. You experienced my presence. We see and experience Jesus as we love and serve others. Of course, it doesn't mean that we throw all the rules and rituals out the window. Those are still important. In the, in the sections that follow here in, in uh, uh, the rest of chapter 13 and, and 14 into 15, Paul starts uh, talking about uh, some more specific things of, of holy living and avoiding sin and not judging others. And, and he addresses issues related to Jewish customs and rules and, and, uh, and, and all those types of things. And, and I would still say, though, the primary takeaway in wrapping up all of the amazing things in this letter, is really just one thing, love. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for the salvation of those who believe, Paul says in Romans chapter 1. What does that gospel look like? Well, it looks like that, that I'm sinful, but God has loved me anyway, and he sent Jesus, and he's provided a, an amazing life that I can live, uh, redemption, salvation. I can be holy. God is making me all these kinds of things. What does that look like? How do I live that out in view of God's mercy? What does that look like? It's a life of love. Even on hard days, even with difficult people, even in difficult circumstances, love your neighbor as yourself. Our primary focus in this life with God isn't necessarily on the rules and the laws and the rituals of religion. Our focus is on loving those around us. A lot of times I, I, we might come down to, uh, to, to kind of the conclusion of a, of a message and, and I might give you three or four things that, uh, okay, so what, right? We've, we've learned all these things. Uh, we've looked at the scripture. What do I do with this? And so we, maybe we come out with three or four, well, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do this. Uh, today there's just one thing, just one takeaway that I want you to do in response to this message. It might be the most simple and the most demanding thing that I could say. Love. What do I do because of God and his love for us? What do I do because of what Jesus has done for me? What do I do? Well, what does love require of you? Unless we really love, everything else we do is worthless. So love. 
If, if you do, if I do, if we all uh, went from this place today consciously living out lives focused on loving our neighbor, loving our community, might just change the world. <laughs> If we could all live with the, with that question on our tongues, what would love require of me? It might change the whole dynamic of your family. Instead of holding that grudge or instead of always wanting to be right or instead of, well, what would love require? Well, I might need to obey in this situation. I might need to ask for forgiveness. I, I might need to serve instead of demanding to be served. What would love require of me in my job? Well, I don't love those people. Well, maybe you should. <laughs> what would love require of me? At my neighborhood community meeting, <laughs> what would love require of me at Walmart? There's one. There's a challenge, right? If we do that, if we all went from here consciously living our lives focused on loving our neighbor, people would see Jesus. And you would see Jesus. Because... Whatever we've done for the least of these, we've done for him. I, I, I told you that, that I think, and I think we all can relate to, one great way to get on our, our good side is to treat our kids right. I think maybe that translates into our walk with God. One great way to please God is to love others. To treat them with his love. Even more than our attendance or our songs or our study, could it be that the best way to show God how much we love him is to love those around us? Let's stand together. Father God, we love you. That's easy for us to say, and it's even easy for us to think about and and describe in a place like this as we step away for an hour or so on a weekend But Lord, I pray that you'll help us to recognize what that really means tomorrow or Thursday afternoon or whatever when the, when the situation arises, when we really need to ask, well, okay, I love God. What does that love require of me here? Lord, I, I pray that, that we can, we can take this message, Paul's message for, for what it is. It's not just a, a simplifying thing to take all of that he's talked about and just simplify it down to one word. And yet if we really lived that out, what a, what a transforming thing that would be. And so, Lord, I, I pray that as we go from here, we would go recognizing that we are agents of love in the world where you have placed us. You want us to do and say the things that would honor you. And, and it's more than just attending something or, or, or uh, checking off a list or walking through, uh, walking through rituals and routines, following the rules. Lord, I pray that we can truly have that relationship with you and that that relationship would transform every other relationship we have, that we can live lives of love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.